World's Finest Podcast, Episode 36. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello, how are you? Um, well, let's see. This morning I woke up and uh, threw up everything I ate last night. So, no. yeah, that that was fun. <laughs> but other than that, I'm okay now. So well, that's good. That's good. I don't know, but um, I actually uh, went and saw Tropic Thunder last night. How was that? I've been hearing really good things. It is hysterical. I oh, heard. I heard that. Uh, <laughs> A cameo by a certain high-profile actor is the funniest thing you'll see on screen in, like, all of time. <laughs> is that true? Should, should, we, should we say who the said actor was? Um, no, I don't want to say too much because I didn't even know he was in the film. It was spoiled for me. Mm-hmm. So I'd like it if other people were surprised. But it, it, is it a good scene? Oh, yeah. Well, it's not just scene. He's actually a huge part of the movie. Oh, I thought I, I had heard he was only in a couple of like like one scene, and it was like the most vulgar thing of all time. <laughs> he's pretty vulgar in every scene he's in. Okay, <laughs> but then again, this movie, I, I, it's the most offensive movie I've ever seen in my life, and <laughs> and not too surprisingly, it's hilarious <laughs> because no, nothing offends me. I could just go sit there and like just laugh the whole time. Hmm. It it really is. It's it's great. Um, and I, I can't stand Ben Stiller movies except for Dodgeball, but thank you, Robert Downey Jr. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Yeah, I still want to see that one. It's just a matter of, uh, getting to the theater. I have a bad feeling that's going to be one of those, I'll wait till it's on Netflix type thing. Or maybe if I see it at the local, uh, second run theater where we can get in for like two bucks, then maybe I'll see it. I just, I just don't see me getting to it before then though well, that's one of my one of my friends said yeah that's a that's a rental movie not a go see it in the theaters pay 10 bucks movie but yeah uh, my my uh my other friend and i went and saw it and we were we loved it anything else or should we get to some emails so first one today is from michael who writes i thought someone would have corrected you on this after it was mentioned once or twice before but since no one has and you talked quite a bit about it in the last episode i had to write in calabac is not the son of Highfather. he is not the baby that was swapped with orion to seal the uh, treaty with darkseid calabac is darkseid's natural son the son of Highfather that was exchanged was mr miracle his escape from granny goodness broke the treaty well yeah um that's my fault you know, um, I fucked up <laughs> a couple no. of times, I suppose. Um, what it boils down to is um, I honestly thought that in the cartoon it was implied that Calabac was the son, that Highfather traded off. And um, when I responded to this email, once it came in, that's actually what I said. I said, that is the way it is in the comics, that Mr. Miracle was the baby. But I go, I really think in the cartoon it's supposed to be Calabac. However, there's an episode we're going to talk about later today. You might have heard of it. It's called Legacy, where Darkseid says of Calabac, can you believe he's blood? 
So out the window went my theory. <laughs> so you, uh, we received a, 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 mm, more than a couple emails about this, correcting us on this matter. So I, I, I apologize many times over for the screw-up. Thank you for writing in and letting us know, though. It happens. Mm-hmm. Since I'm finally writing in to comment on the show after listening from the beginning, I have to mention a pet peeve. I don't remember who keeps saying it, but it's not mythos it, with a hearty. It's mythos with a soft eye, <laughs> as in Greek myths or mythology. You don't say Greek myths, so it's not mythos. Sorry to be picky, but it bugs me every time it's been said on the show. <laughs> Other than that, I really enjoy the show. Michael. Uh, again, again, that was that was my fault. Um... I know I've pronounced it both ways. And right. I, 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 I was pronouncing it mythos, but then you pronounced it mythos. I was like, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> the, so then I keep going back and forth, not being able to decide between. <laughs> the reason um, I was per, uh, saying mythos instead of mythos um, is because I had heard it pronounced both ways. And I wasn't sure which one was correct. So if you actually pay attention, you'll notice that occasionally I pronounce it both ways. Um, I think I favored mythos, but every now and then a mythos would slip in there. Um, so again, thank you for correcting us, or me, I should say, since I was the one who uh, brought that pronunciation to the show. Um, and I will do my best to say it the right way from now on, but it may take a little while. Next one is from Dave, who writes, In regards to your last episode of WFP, when you discussed Legends of the Dark Knight, you said that the episode was a tribute to all the ways Batman can be portrayed and listed the ways. But I have to wonder, have any of you two, uh, either of you two ever seen the Batman-Robin movie serials from 1947 and 1949? They aren't as, quote-unquote, colorful, pun intended, as the Adam West Burt Ward series. But in turn, it's not the 1989 Batman. If you do watch them, you should review them. It's a good chapter in the Batman legacy. And in regard for the comment that Brainiac is like Nomad from the original Star Trek series, I agree with you guys that Brainiac is actually more like the Borg. Also, how are you going to review Static Shock when it isn't on DVD? There are ways. Yes, there are. Moving on to his other points, um, I don't think we actually said that... That episode of uh, the of uh, Gotham Knights was a tribute to what did he say in there? All the forms of Batman, right? It's it's more. I think what we said was that it showed that Batman can be interpreted in any way. And I think that, I may have said tribute, honestly, to to so all if, of the various forms. Is that I don't know if I said all, but I said uh, I know I did say tribute, so maybe. Uh, I, I'll take fall for anything that was said there that was not okay. factually correct. Okay, because, yeah, I mean, we obviously said that it was paying a loving tribute to those versions of Batman, but I really don't remember us saying it was a tribute to all the versions of Batman, because that's just not possible to do in a 21, 22-minute cartoon. Like I was saying before, I think what we had said was it showed that throughout the years, Batman has been a lot of things. And it shows how versatile the character is. You can make him anything you want, and he's going to survive because that's how much people love him. In fact, um, speaking of Batman, I saw a pretty funny gag online earlier today. Um, there was a, it was a pie chart, and it was this very tiny. And, and the pie chart said um, things that matter in life, and there was this very tiny sliver, let's say one percent, that was colored yellow, and that was dedicated to porn. 
there was um, a, a larger portion that was orange and that was dedicated to family. And then maybe that other portion was like three or 4%. And then everything else of the pie chart was red and that was dedicated to Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was, I almost, I almost uh, emailed that to you, James. I thought you'd get a kick out of it. <laughs> nice, nice that the guy has his priorities straight. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm sorry. That was a weird tangent. <laughs> All right, next one is from longtime listener Chris, who writes, Aloha again, guys. About Batman the Stone King, it's uh, one of a series published by Pocket Books about DC heroes in paperback, mostly written by comics writers. Alan Grant did the Batman one, Roger Stern did Superman. Uh, Graphic Audio, who had done the full cast versions of Infinite Crisis and 52, is now adapting the uh, books in the series. As far as Poison Ivy being prepared for Supergirl, I have to come to Ivy's defense. The huge layer with the conveniently placed death trap stretches uh, belief... Just once, I'd like to see loose wires, a rack of hard hats, something. <laughs> Dealing with spores and seeds, though, you can carry a bunch with you in a small bag and be ready for all sorts of things. So I can buy the preparedness uh, with Ivy. Additionally, the allergen may be released in a number of methods, not just heat. So it may not have been specific to Supergirl. Besides, Ivy tends to be cool under pressure. Once Supergirl showed up and uh, her first effort didn't work, I can see her running through a list of what she had and what might be effective. Eh, sorry. I'm still going to go with... Uh, she knew Supergirl was going to use heat vision <laughs> to activate this specific allergen. Yeah, not going to buy it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, in The Demon Reborn, I agree that the Bruce and Lois reunion was great. It just seemed kind of contrived. With the resources Talia can command, why is it again she can't get a blazer and skirt outfit? Did she really need to steal Lois's clothes? <laughs> She's not trying to fool Wolverine here. It's not like she needed Lois's scent. <laughs> Hopefully, Superman isn't spending all his time sniffing at Lois's hair when she's not looking. <laughs> Although, if Brian Singer gets another chance, dot, dot, dot. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I would have preferred that Batman and Lois cross paths hunting down leads or something. But, oh, well, until next time, Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh Next one is from Selena, Selena Kyle, who writes, In response to episode 33, Cult of the Cat uh, review, you asked how did Selena get into the Batmobile. She's a good thief, but she's not that good. Well, apparently she is. In last month's Heart of Hush Detective Comics, uh, number 845 by Paul Dini, Batman returns from a crime scene to find Selena lounging unserendipitously in his passenger seat. She spews a few snide remarks about Zatanna and leaps out of the Batmobile, at which point Batman says, She would like nothing more than for me to chase after her, and if I wasn't so sure another body would be found in the gutter tonight, I just might. He definitely, quote-unquote, hearts her, if you know what I mean. Chow meow, Selena. Yeah, I'm sorry. You know, that what she said there, what she quoted there, you know, she's a good thief, but she's not that good. I think I'm the one that said that. Maybe it was you, James. I don't know. But, you know, I, whoever said it, I stand by that comment. I don't care if it's yep. in the cartoons, in the movies, in the comic books even. She, okay, the fact of the matter is, no one should be able to get into the Batmobile without some serious tools and hacking abilities. And Selena doesn't have that. Um, if Selena can get into the car, then that means Bruce is unprepared. That means he left the car um, just sitting there, not protected, and that's not like him. I don't buy it. I, I, yeah, yeah, that gets under my skin. I'm sorry. I know Paul Dini wrote it, but I still think it's wrong. He may have. I get maybe he wrote that episode, uh, Cult of the Cat, too. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, I don't remember. While you're reading the next email, I will look that up. 
All right. Next email is from David, who writes, Hi, James and Mike. Listening, uh, been listening for a few shows now. Actually, quite a few, and I'm glad to hear some other folks who love the DCAU as much as I do. You guys, however, find yourself in the lucky position of being able to access all of the damn things, that being the whole DCAU. Here in the land down under, we have precisely one series box set that has been released by Warner Brothers, the first season of uh, Batman the Animated Series. There was talk that Superman Season 1 would be released, but then it got shit-canned just before it was due for release. Since then, we have uh, had to put up with the incredibly frustrating three-episode-to-a-disc uh, single-box releases that bear no resemblance to the airing order or anything like that. Batman Beyond, of the future here, too, just like the UK, got the same sort of treatment, ergo some three-episode DVD releases, but no box sets. And as such, there has been no Justice League or JLU box sets. Teen Titans got a slightly better deal, but not really. Three, uh, three six-episode DVD box sets. Lame. Mm. The animated movies Sub-Zero, Mask of the Phantasm, Mystery of the Batwoman, and Return of the Joker are all available, but no uncut version of Return of the Joker. I scored a VHS copy years ago, and it still stands as my favorite animated movie of all time. Anyway, having procured most of the shows in my own way, I have been enjoying your reviews, although I am uh, still sorely lacking in Superman the Animated Series and have seen no Gotham Knights at all. So those ones are interesting to me indeed. I love the hell out of Batman Beyond and, and Justice League and JLU set new heights for me in, in TV of any kind, not just animated. I'll look forward to hearing your thoughts on them. Not that I always agree with you guys, but Mike, your thoughts on Superman Returns? Meh. Singer made a beautiful film, a love letter to the Donner films. It was admittedly slow and lacking in real substance, but certainly not shitting on their memory. I agree that he was a stalker and a whiner, but honestly... Uh, I think you put him up against a better villain, and that series is not dead. Lose Luthor, though. Agreed. Keep on trucking. Oh, and any chance of more clips, please, for the shows I haven't seen? That you know they help a lot. Q dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, first, uh, Paul Dini did not write Cult of the Cat. Um, it was okay. actually written by. Oh wait, no, no, no. I am sorry. I am wrong. He did write Cult of the Cat. I was looking at the director's name. Uh, it was directed by Butch Lukic. I'm probably mispronouncing Butch that. Okay, um, and it was okay. the episode was written by Dini and Berkowitz. So I, or that was the story. They came up with the story, and Berkowitz actually did the writing. So there you go. Um, when it comes to the DVDs not being uh, available uh, down there, I have to wonder how much they would cost to import. I can't imagine it'd be that cheap. But if you want them, that might be a way to go. Um, in regards to Singer shitting on the legacy of the original films, you know, I stand by it. I really do. Um, I'm not going to go into it again. I've, I've said enough about that movie um, <laughs> previously. Um, but, you know, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and I can see why some people would like that film. It looked good. Uh, I think some of the actors did a really good job. Um I think Singer's heart was in the right place, too. Ultimately, though, the final product, as I said before, you all know my opinion. Yeah. Okay, next one is from Heidi, who writes, Hello, y'all. I've been listening for a long time, but have just recently caught up with your most recent podcast. So I send this email in hopes that one of you fine gentlemen can help me, or maybe even a listener's. I have yet to finish uh, episode 35 of World's Finest. Sorry, but I'm working on it, This is more, and this is more of a school question. I'm in a psychology class and doing a paper-slash-presentation on dissociative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder, with focus on Batman and his rogues, most notably the ventriloquist, and uh, any others that y'all can provide, since you two are more rounded than myself when it comes to comic books, and with the added bonus that y'all are in college, uh, a college setting every day. Please help, because Batman is the bomb, and I cannot let, let a geek like me look like an idiot for leaving something out. 
Um, well, uh, I guess I'm trying to think what you need help on. I mean, I, I, it's kind of broad, so. Yeah, um, this is one of those emails that I responded to personally, mm-hmm. and uh, I recommended that uh, she actually join the forums, um, figuring maybe someone over there could help her. Um, I also figured reading it on the air, you know, we have some very, very smart listeners. Um, I think that have even written in about the multiple personality disorder thing before, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I want to say Chris, maybe Chris did at some point. It was, it was a long time ago, but I remember getting an email about it. But, um, you know, in, in regards to this topic, really the, the, the two villains that spring to mind, are uh, the ventriloquist, obviously, as was mentioned in the email, and Two-Face. Face, yeah. Um, and we'll see later on in this episode how screwed up Two-Face really is because he, you know, spoilers, he creates a third personality in this one. And that third personality doesn't know that he's in the same body as the other two, whereas the other two personalities, they don't know this third personality exists, but they know that each other exists. And that's really messed up. I don't know... Um, how possible that is. I think that was addressed in that email um, that we had so long ago. But, um, yeah, if you're looking for characters that have multiple personality disorder, those are your top two candidates. Because the Joker, he he, he doesn't have that. He's got his own problems, but he doesn't have that. Um, you know, Harley, same thing. She, she's not there. Ivy's not there. Um, Riddler doesn't have it. They, they're just all loony in, in their different ways. Um, so I would definitely make sure your paper focuses on Two-Face and the Ventriloquist. Um, you know, there's a part of me that wants to say you might even want to bring up the Batman-Bruce Wayne dynamic, but it's not a split personality thing. It's more of a mask that uh, he wears. And, you know, the question is always, does Bruce wear the mask of Batman or does Batman wear the mask of Bruce? Um, and I think that's an interesting you know, topic in and of itself. But I, I don't, you know, like I said, you could maybe justify him being on that list, but it would be a bit of a stretch. Um, I hope that helps. If you want to send in some more um, specific questions, um, like, I don't know, even the outline for your paper and presentation, I'm sure we'd be glad to read it and maybe give you some uh, some help there. Okay. Thank you for the email. Last one today is from Eric, who writes, Hello, guys. Another great episode. What's with the side, James? I actually enjoy Girls' Night Out. Harley is great in this episode. I'm not in, uh, too into Poison Ivy's look much, but I can deal. Livewire is a character who is annoying, but for me a little fun because of the dumb puns and one-liners. But Lori Petty is fun. The Penguin uh, in this revamp is just wasted. I never liked too many Penguin episodes, even in the original series, but they could have used him better in Gotham Knights. He plays a bigger part in the stories he's involved in than the Riddler, but still... Here's a kind of defense for the gripe you had when Ivy throws those seeds and Supergirl uses her heat vision to release the poison. Maybe she didn't know Supergirl would do that, and if Supergirl did let the seeds land on the floor, it would have sprouted at them. I'm pretty sure that she uh, point blank said that the heat released the allergen, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. Um, in previous episodes, Rachel Ghoul does mention that the effects don't last as long because his body's becoming uh, more... Uh, more immune to it, oh, which is okay. why he goes after that Egyptian mummy. I love this episode. It once again shows how no, 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 no. That was the race robot. That was the race robot. <laughs> once again shows how smart and dangerous race or 
race robot, as Mike mm-hmm. wants to say here, can be, even when he's weakened. I do agree with you, Mike, about the race Hulk look. I hated that. The animation is terrible, but that whole result from being abs- uh, from absorbing Superman's power was also stupid. It should have been a Batman episode. That would have been awesome, Mike. Hard Hawk Batman teaming with Metallo against Batman and Superman. <laughs> or how about Steel instead? Hmm. Yes, Mad Love. Probably my favorite episode of Gotham Knights. Arlene Sorkin's voice acting in this episode is superb, going past her normal maniacal voice and giving us her sane voice as well. We finally get to see exactly how crude and violent Joker is. Of course, we've seen this from the previous episodes, but here he lays it all on Harley, and and we as fans really feel for Harley. My only gripe with this episode is the same as James. How the hell did Harley get a license when she seemed to be easily manipulated by the Joker? Thanks for that explanation, Mike. Now I need to get the comic book. (laughs) I I did love that Batman laughs. He fucking laughs. In the Batman Beyond movie, Terry mentions how the Joker always wanted to make Batman laugh, and he never could. I love how Batman mocks the Joker by telling Joker that Harley would have won. He would have been dead if Joker's ego had let Harley's plans go through. Definitely the most mature episode. Maybe even over the Frank Miller portion of the first Gotham Knights episode you discussed. Everything's changed for me these last few weeks. The pain of my parents' deaths, it's still there, but it seems smaller. And there's a new feeling now. Which would be? It's a a lightness, a sense that things will work out for the best. It's called happiness. Whatever it is, I like it. And I know who's responsible for it. I've asked Susan to marry me. She's accepted. She's everything I need. She's perfect. There's just one problem. That. How are you going to keep it from her? I won't have to. I've always assumed that sooner or later the three of you would get all this. Well, it's going to be sooner. I'm not going to be Batman anymore. And first up today is the Gotham Knights episode, Chemistry. In this one, Veronica Reeland is getting married for... Not the first, not the second, not the third, but the fourth time. And uh, at the reception, Bruce catches the garter, and uh, a woman named Susan uh, catches the bouquet. So, you know, by tradition, they get their picture taken together. And uh, when they're getting their picture taken together, they kind of chat, and uh, Bruce seems to just immediately fall for this woman. And uh, so they start dating, and eventually Bruce decides to marry her. And... uh, They do get married, but the reception for their wedding is interrupted by a phone call from Veronica claiming that her new husband, Michael, has gone nuts and is threatening to kill her. And uh, Bruce tells Susan that he has to go help Veronica. uh, She's she's in danger and everything. And Susan is strangely understanding and says, go, she's your friend. And uh, Bruce manages to get to her house and uh, save her before it explodes. And uh, in the hospital, Bruce is standing by Veronica's side as she lay unconscious in her bed, and Michael arrives distraught, claiming that he wasn't at the house when it happened. So uh, Bruce, you know, hires some round-the-clock security guards to keep an eye on her, and uh, he tells Robin and Batgirl to go after Michael and f- see where where he's going. So they tail after him, and they get to the compound of Poison Ivy. So it's revealed that Michael is this plant-human hybrid thing, created by Ivy so that he could kill uh, Veronica uh, at some point, and then she, uh, Ivy would become the beneficiary of her money through Michael. So they leave to attack the yacht that Bruce and Susan are on on their honeymoon, along with several other Poison Ivy creations and their unfortunate mates. And uh, Batgirl and Robin start to take off after them, but they get attacked by vines as, you know, standard fare in every Poison <laughs> Ivy episode. 
and uh, the vines end up killing themselves after they try to attack Batgirl and Robin uh, with some kind of acid stuff that kills plants. I think it was like trichloroethane or something. And uh, they gather all the chemical that they can and they go after him. And uh, on the yacht, Bruce gets suspicious of Susan after hearing some of his fellow millionaires and billionaires commenting about the lushness of their wives' green eyes. And so he questions Susan. She gets mad, turns her legs into vines, tries to kill Bruce. (laughs) And uh, Bruce escapes while Ivy makes her appearance on the yacht with uh, some gargantuan vines under the that start attacking the boat. And she says that these vines she currently has attacking the whole of the ship are going to cause the cold water to hit the immensely hot boiler and apparently cause the yacht to explode, uh, killing all of the rich people and allowing her uh, her plant creations to take their assets and, you know, she would get them. So Robin and Batgirl arrive, all hell ensues, and Ivy is eventually defeated and dies, and uh, <laughs> along with all of her creations as the yacht explodes, and uh, Batman gives a metaphorical flipping of the bird to uh, Susan as he flips the wedding ring into the ocean in the episode ends. Now, something you said right at the end there was something I wanted to bring up. Do we see Poison Ivy ever again in the DCAU? Only in the parallel universe with the Justice Lords, which... So I don't know, which and since it's in a parallel uh, world, you can't really say that she appeared right. again. Right. So you can pretty much say she did die when that yacht sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And I don't see how she would have got back to shore unless she had seaweed carry her or something, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, one of the other things you said with uh, him flipping the ring into the ocean, I was like, that's bad ass. Just the way yeah. he just holds it up and just blink, just right and then bloop right into the water. I was like, "Oh, sweet! Batman told you." <laughs> yeah, that was one of the few things I really liked about this episode. Ooh, see, I I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, okay, I, let me let me say something. Despite the like the total obviousness of the villain and the overall plot, I still think it's a good episode. And it might be my favorite Poison Ivy episode to date. And I mean solo Poison Ivy episode. That I can understand. Because I, when I can't she's, understand that. When she's appeared with Harley, those have been some really good episodes. You know, they're fun. They're a little bouncier. They're a lot lighter. But her solo episodes, I think I've kind of been sort of like on the fence about. Like, eh, they're there. They're not great. But this one, I just, I just enjoyed it. And I didn't expect to enjoy it going in. I was like, I had a general idea of what it was going to be about. And then I'm like... Oh, plant people, marriages. Oh. Then I start watching it. And I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of cool. I don't know. I, I don't know why. I, I really wish. I, I really wish I could pinpoint it. Yeah, I. Uh, I have a few. I mean, I have a few positive things to say about this episode. I think the episode has some awesome music, mm-hmm. and um, and it actually does have some pretty decent animation. Um, and also, you know, we get to see Robin save Batman's ass for once. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, and uh, Zatanna, too, apparently. Where was Zatanna? She was on the guest list. Okay, because I saw the Langstroms, and I saw Jason Blood, but I didn't see Zatanna. She was really there? Yeah, Z- uh, Zatanna was there with uh, Leslie Tompkins, and like you said, uh, the Langstroms, and uh, Jason Blood. And, you know, Lucius Fox is there. Gordon's there. Uh, Mayor Hill is there. It's... The cream of the crop of uh, Gotham, I guess. <laughs> now, just getting back to the beginning of this episode, something that we have to bring up. We absolutely have to bring up. 
to my knowledge, this is the first party hosted by Veronica that was not crashed by a supervillain. That's correct. I mean, technically speaking, a supervillain was there in the form of her plant husband, but it's not ruined by right. it. The honeymoon is, but the party isn't. I was like, I liked that. I liked that. You know what? She got her wedding. <laughs> If there was one party that wasn't crashed by the Joker or Two-Face or someone, it was her wedding. <laughs> now, yeah. I also have to wonder, has it ever been mentioned before that she's been married several times? I, I never got so. that from her. I always thought she was kind of the, you know, swinging, kind of young, adventurous counterpart to Bruce. You know, but I, I do have to wonder, while we're talking about Veronica... Why she called Bruce, of all people, when she discovered what her new husband truly was. I mean, why Bruce? She doesn't know who he is. I mean, I understand she, she you know, Bruce may be her closest friend, maybe. Um, but still, why not the cops? Yeah. Why not? I don't know. I, I just, it's it, I mean, fire department. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, I understood why in the plot they had to make it Bruce, but I, I still just don't get why she would call him first and foremost. I mean, they could have even thrown a line in there where she said something like, I didn't know who else to call, but like that would have satisfied me instead of just, Oh my God, Michael's turned into this thing. I don't know. Blah, 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 blah. And then the fire breaks out and, he has to go save her. And I like the fact that he saved her as Bruce. Mm -hmm. He didn't put that costume back on. He stayed true to his word. Um, I thought the that way was he, a, the way he saves her is really cool too. Using the yeah. mirror. Yeah. It's, it's very Batman ish the way he saves her. He just is Batman without the gadgets in that moment. Um, and I like the fact that the, uh, the producers here, the, the writers, uh, whatever that, uh, they didn't, uh, put him back in there. They resisted that temptation until they absolutely needed to. Because at the end, when he does turn back into Batman, it's sort of a big moment with Tim handing him the the backpack with the clothes. Right. Um, that's sort of like a... It's a turning point for Bruce's character. He has to become this thing again. Um, this thing he thought he was able to give up finally. And it, it's kind of a sad moment at the same time. Yeah. Because he, he flat out says, I had always hoped, he's, t he's telling uh, Barbara and uh, Dick and Tim in the cave, look, I always thought that one day this would all be yours. Mm -hmm. Quite the quite the uh, will to leave to your yeah. surrogate children there. <laughs> yeah. I leave you this cave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really dug that line uh in the cave when Bruce was telling them all how he feels about, what was her name? Susan. Mm -hmm. um, he's walking around and he, he's trying to explain it. It's a lightness. It's hopefulness. And Tim's like, it's called happiness. <laughs> and Bruce is just like, whatever it is, I like it. Cause he doesn't say it in his <laughs> Bruce Wayne voice. He goes into his Batman voice. I yeah. like being happy for once. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and then I think that's when he goes into his, all this I thought would be yours one day. Um, there was a part of me that wished this episode was a little longer, not necessarily a two-parter, but I don't know if it just had like another five, ten minutes to it where there could have been some scenes where he asked Dick to become Batman. Yeah. 
Um, and Dick reluctantly takes on the role, and he's the one that has to hand Bruce back the costume at the end. Um, but that really would have stretched this one out, would have added this whole subplot um, that it just really didn't need. I'm just looking at it from the perspective of a fanboy. Because yeah. the city, yeah, it can get by with Batgirl and Robin and Nightwing, but it needs Batman. Without Batman, Gotham City lost. Right, exactly. So, in truth, it doesn't really matter who's behind the mask, just as long as there is that mask. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Getting back to the uh, the animation, th- this this episode has some pretty gruesome moments. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Ivy, Ivy flat out rips that guy's skin off. Yeah. And then the and, guy eventually gets melted. Yeah, and and Tim almost throws up. When the skin yeah. comes off. I mean, Barbara literally has to put her hand on his mouth to stop him. And then you're right. When he gets melted and his eye falls out, what I wrote in my notes was, ew. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> grossed out by that. Ooh. Yeah. Yowza. <laughs> but, uh, but that actually leads me to one of my big complaints in this episode. And that being, why would Ivy have trichloroethane, a plant killer in her greenhouse? <laughs> And such huge quantities of it, too. Yeah, that was a little con- convenient, wasn't it? Um, the only way I can try to justify that, and I admit I'm stretching it here, is maybe she had it to dissolve any of the plant creatures who went rogue and attempted to attack her. Any that went absolutely loopy and she couldn't control. But that's the only thing I could come up with, and that's justified by nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I'll tell you, my biggest, I think my biggest gripe with the uh, the entire episode, though, is Bruce, at the beginning, okay, when, on the onset, when he, Bruce first, uh, first meets Susan, uh, you know, they start chatting, and uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so clearly Bruce has to be under some kind of pheromone-induced uh, spell, or, or trance, or whatever you want to call it, and yeah, they, they, they say later on that, uh, yeah, there were pheromones involved, but then Susan point blank says that those were just to get your attention. Everything else was just pure chemistry. Yeah. So that really, really bugs the piss out of me because Bruce Wayne would never, ever marry somebody that he barely knew because he starts saying – he starts asking her questions that he probably should have asked on, mm, I don't know, the second date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just it's something that he would never ever do so hastily. And you know, if he had been under a trance of some sort the entire episode, like the pheromones were causing him to really, to really just fall for this woman, and it was that was it. I could have let this entire thing slide, and I probably would have graded this episode even a lot higher. But as it stands, they clearly say that you know the pheromones were only the the catalyst. It, it, they did nothing more, so it, it really just annoyed the piss out of me that they had Bruce completely 180 his character there. Um, I have to say that t- just <laughs> talk, just talking for the last you know five ten minutes about it, I've, I've liked it a little more. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you know that that's happened quite a few times to both yeah. of us. So I don't know. I think that really that what I just uh, ran, kind of semi ranted about there was what made me just say okay fuck this i i can't stand this episode just because of that it's that it, to me it's that big of a of a problem with the episode that it brought the grade down really that badly for me i got gotcha. you but uh 
but yeah, but you said you really like this episode, but then you know, I know you said you really can't explain it. So right. I'm kind, I'm kind of in a, at a loss for words here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think let me try to explain it. I think it's just fun. You know, it's it's interesting seeing Bruce uh, and Batman uh, in, uh, kind of turned on their heads. You know, it's rare that we get to see the uh, infatuated Bruce. I mean, we have seen it before, but, you know, like I said, it's rare. And I like seeing it from time to time. Um, I did like the fact that he was so distracted that he almost got killed. And as you said, Tim had to save him early on in the episode. And what I liked was that Tim yelled at him. He's like, I said there were four guys, four. And he kind of walked away from Batman, like, what is wrong with you? Um, and it was a complete role reversal because that's yes. something Batman would say to Robin normally right off the bat. This episode had me going with that. Um, I also liked seeing uh, Bruce bring the family into the cave to tell them that he was uh, resigning, we'll say, because it isn't often you get to see Bruce treat them as a family. I mean, we know deep down that he does love each and every one of them, and he does uh, care for them, and he doesn't want to see them get hurt. But it's often, you know, most most of the time, it's with the masks on, right. is, is when they're all together. Here, nobody's wearing a costume. They're all just chilling out in the cave, waiting to hear what he has to say. So I liked that. I liked the interactions with uh, uh, between Barbara and Dick at the wedding, where she's mm -hmm. like, oh, maybe one day you'll settle down too. And uh, what does he say? Not with you or something like that? Not, not likely or not something likely. like that. Not likely. And he, like, yanks his hand away from her. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, sort of she's put off. You know, she was trying to be flirty with him. And he's basically saying, well, we're done, honey. You know, you lied to me, so we're done. Um, so I don't, it was just it was just all that stuff. It was just it was just different. It wasn't your typical. Like I said, even though the plot was obvious and, you know, uh, Ivy's scheme we've you know we've seen her do stuff like this before um the, the stuff with batman and his ilk that was all new and i think that's what really puts this one above the other ivy episodes for me mm -hmm. um, i don't know but one of the things i was thinking when i was watching this was how cool would it have been and i'm not talking about this episode Maybe in the Justice League, maybe in Gotham Knights, it doesn't matter. But how cool would it have been if they would have introduced Swamp Thing in the DCAU and they could have had, like, Ivy get control of him. And so Batman or the Justice League or whoever has to go up against Swamp Thing, who's an elemental. You know, he's insanely powerful. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just was watching this. And I'm like, oh, that's a missed opportunity. I wish Swamp Thing was here. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but that, that's just me, again, being a bit of a fanboy. Because then I'm thinking, oh, if they did Swamp Thing, they could have brought in John Constantine. Not only does Batman know Jason Blood, he knows Constantine, too. Because <laughs> <laughs> for those of you that don't know, uh, Constantine from the Hellblazer comic book was introduced in Swamp Thing's comic book back in the day. So they, they you know, they're kind of joined at the hip in a way. Um, and, uh, they, well... <laughs> Well, this is, oh, do I want to get into this? Yeah, I'll get into it. Okay. Um, Swamp Thing's daughter is actually Constantine's daughter because, <laughs> this is so weird. Um, I'm trying to do this by memory. I think what happened was, was that Swamp Thing wanted to 
have a child with his wife who is human, but he couldn't do it because of the nature of his biology. So he took control of Constantine's body and mated with his wife. So even though Swamp Thing was in John's body, it was still John's body that made the baby. Do you see what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But somehow it's like part John and part Swamp Thing and part Swamp Thing's wife. So they're joined by uh, more than the hip, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> You're dead. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I assure you that what you're seeing is really, really no, no joke. Help! Help! Let's show the folks at home what really happened seven years ago. I'll be Batman. You the next gotham knights episode we're going to talk about today is beware the creeper in this one we find out that it's been seven years to the day since the uh the mobster that would become the joker became the joker uh this is the anniversary of the night that he was thrown into or fell we'll say into the vat of chemicals by the batman and um, television reporter Jack Ryder is uh, doing a story about this, and he's doing it live. And while he's doing it, the Joker decides to go to the chemical plant and uh, have some fun with Ryder and his uh, television crew. So he gasses everybody, and uh, while he's doing this, he uh, kind of starts beating up on Ryder, and he throws him into the chemicals. He's like, oh, you want to see what happened to me? Sploosh! Here's what happened to me. Um... So Batman gets involved, of course, uh, attempts to stop the Joker, kind of fails at it. And uh, Ryder ends up mutating, much like the Joker did. But he doesn't wind up looking like the Joker, because not only was he hit with the chemicals uh, that were in the vat, but he also uh, was gassed by the Joker beforehand. So the combination of the Joker toxin and the chemicals made him something else. They made him this uh, lemon-skinned kind of bouncy freak um and because he was a television guy he's often uh quoting tv shows in fact there's one point i believe when he quotes uh animaniacs when he does that uh uh, what is it uh okay i love you bye-bye that was tiny tunes tiny tunes okay sorry sorry i got confused and and (laughs) i know same same studio right in my notes i wrote tiny tunes and then i scratched it out and i put animaniacs so i couldn't remember which one it was but regardless regardless and hey he's uh, basically freakazoid so (laughs) See, I've never seen Freakazoid, ever. So, I didn't realize that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, please continue. <laughs> no, no, no worries, no worries at all. Um, so, the thing with Ryder, who's now calling himself The Creeper, um, is that he's sort of, uh, he would be considered an anti-hero, in a way, or in wrestling terminology, a tweener. Because he's running around causing havoc, so Batman has to stop him, but his end goal is to stop villains at the same time. And he wants revenge on the Joker for doing this to him, because his television career is over. He can't go back on TV looking like this. There's no way. So he uh, he finds uh, the Joker's goons, 
beats them up, finds Harley, becomes uh, totally head over heels for her, and uh, follows her back to the Joker's lair, where they all have a big final showdown. So, thoughts, James? Oh, man. This episode is so fucking funny. Mm -hmm, It is. (laughs) Oh, my God. And, you know, and the thing about this episode is, there are so my notes are like are com, are like this episode. They're completely all over the place. <laughs> just I just have like random notes from all kinds of things about this episode, and I don't even know what to start with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I take that back. I do know what to start with. This was the only Gotham Knights episode I had never seen before today. Really? Yes, I had oh. never seen this episode before. Every other episode I'd seen at least once, but uh, I don't how know, and you- I don't know how I don't know how that happened. I, I have no idea. Huh. I can't explain it because I like you. When I got the DVDs, I watched it all straight through, and I don't know how I didn't watch this one. But I just know I hadn't seen it because I don't. I never remembered anything about this episode. Hmm. So, but yeah, it was. I, I found myself laughing my ass off all throughout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll say when I first saw this one, be it on television or on DVD, I don't remember. I wasn't that crazy about it. I, I just there was something about it that got under my skin. Um, but as I watched it to review for this episode of WFP, I liked it a hell of a lot more than I did that first time. I, I just was like, you know what? I, 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 I thought to myself, you know, let's go into this one. You know, let, let's try not to be biased going into this one. Um, let's just take it at face value. And I think doing that helped. Um, it's, it's just funny. I like seeing the Joker... Beating at his own game? Uh, pretty much so, because at the end, he runs up to Batman and he's like, he's a lunatic! <laughs> and for the Joker to say that and to honestly mean it, he's not trying to be funny, he honestly means it, shows you how wacky um, the, the the creeper is. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I really dug that aspect of the show. Um, I, I, in truth, the only thing... I didn't like about this episode was that they never explain how Ryder became so agile. It's like, okay, yeah, the chemicals changed him, but they didn't make the Joker bouncy like that. So why did it happen to him? Um, And along those same lines, it never explained that he has a healing factor. Um, If I remember correctly, the creeper in the comics has a healing factor Um, that pretty much, you know, like Wolverine, he can survive pretty much anything. And we see him do that in this episode. Uh, uh, what's her name? Harley crushes him with that statue. Mm-hmm. And he's not affected in the slightest. He just goes about his business like he's a cartoon character. But they never actually explain how all that happened. And I would have liked it. I mean, just by looking at it, you can get it. But there's going to be some people who are like, wait, how did he survive that? I don't understand. Yeah. Like so I don't, want my, I don't want our hands to be held. But a little exposition would have been nice. Yeah. Um, my only gripe with this one is is that it took place after Mad Love. And uh, now I I think Mad Love was supposed to be the last episode of the series. Right. But since that never happened and this after it, it's like, uh, I, I got I felt guilty seeing uh, you know, laughing at Harley being thrown into the alley again. And it's mm-hmm. like, I can't laugh at it here. I can't. Yeah. So it's I, like, eh. Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you. As I watched this one, I completely forgot that 
that this aired after, or this didn't air, but we're seeing this after Mad Love. Um, because, of course, the last episode to air was Mad Love. So this aired before Mad Love, but it was produced afterwards, and that's why we're covering it this way. So that does seem a little weird that they produced Mad Love and then this. But oh well, you know. Um, right, while we're speaking about uh, Harley and the Joker and their relationship, I have to bring up the pie scene. <laughs> let me let me guess which line you're going to bring up. Yeah, um, I know... <laughs> I've asked this question a dozen times during World's Finest Podcast, but I have to do it again. What the fuck were the <laughs> censors thinking? Again, I don't mind that this got through, but for Harley to stand up in that pudding, all sexy-like, and ask... Okay, wait, wait, I wrote it down. Uh shit, where is it? Uh, I want to try what? some of my pie... And then she says something about, I bet you'll want a second serving, or uh, what does she say? I can't remember what she says after that. I was so dumbfounded by hearing you want to try some of my pie. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> what? what, what? <laughs> and, it, you know, I, when I showed that line to Jenny, I'm like, Jen, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. She, she starts cracking up, and she looks at Harley, and she's like, is she supposed to be naked under that goop? And I said... Despite the the bonnet that she wear, that she you know the the Harley Quinn mask yeah. thing, yeah, the Jester's cap thing, yeah, I honestly think she's supposed to be naked underneath the goop, and I'll tell you why. Because when the Joker kicks her ass out into the alley, none of the goop smears, and had it smeared, they would have had to have showed it uh, smear off of her body, and if they did that, they would have had to have shown her flesh. Yep, and they couldn't go that far, so I really believe she doesn't have her costume on under that i haven't been this like dumbfounded by something like that since spooge from the local episode from the <laughs> yeah. harley has quite the shapely body as, as we as we find out later when uh rider or creeper falls onto her boobs yeah. i love her look at the enemy he's sitting there all happy passed out and she's just like oh god get this guy off me yeah, she's just like huh. <laughs> This look of exasperation. It's just yeah. like, <laughs> oh, man. But I think um, besides, of course, all the humor in this episode, I think what I like most about this episode is all the, like, bajillions of references in this episode from old comics and TV. Because uh, we've got right off the bat when they're doing – when Ryder is still, you know, uh, normal and he's do doing his story, you know, Batman looked how he looked in his debut in Detective Comics 27. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we get uh, Ditko's vintage clothing. Right, and the reason that's there is because Steve Ditko created the Creeper. Mm -hmm. It's not just, hey, let's throw Ditko's name in the background. It's no, it's there because the Creeper's there. And uh, in the window, or in the background, whatever it was, there's a question mannequin. And no, course, was there? Yeah, you didn't see that? No, and that's another creation by Ditko, the question. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh shit! I gotta go. I'm telling you, I'm tempted to pause the recording right now, throw the DVD <laughs> in, and look at that. I'm writing a note to myself to go look at that later. I've got the DVD sitting right here. Oh shit! Okay, what else did I miss? Um. Well, <laughs> I mean, uh, Joker's. You gotta love Joker's goons being Larry Curly and Mo. Or, yeah. You know, he calls them Lair Curran, <laughs> and uh, 
What no. I don't even does he just oh. call the other guy Mo? Okay, yeah. yeah. But yeah, it, that was that was nice. I always love Three Stooges references. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, you know that actually leads me into uh, another. Like I said in the last episode, there's some brutal things that happen to people in this episode. Not the least of which is Ryder getting. Re- Repeatedly dunked in the acid. He get, he tries to climb out, and Joker keeps elbowing him or shoving him back in. Yeah. And then one of the Three Stooges guys, I think it might have been Curly, uh, getting smashed head first into that pole and leaving an indentation on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there there are some really just bad things that happen to people in this episode. I think my favorite line in this entire episode, and there are some plenty of great lines in this episode but is uh, it, it has to be you broke my face and got seven years of bad luck <laughs> that is a brilliant line it, it, it is but i gotta be honest with you that line really wasn't my favorite i think it's funny but my favorite has to be when uh writer is going we're live we're live to his crew after they've been gassed and the joker swings in and he's like no i'm live you're dead yeah. Ooh, brutal! That was a good one. I have a couple of questions here. One it being, how did Jack Ryder's credit card survive the acid dunks? <laughs> um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the business call that a minor plot hole. Yes, yes. Because that's how Batman finds out that uh, right. Ryder is is doing all this, causing all this mayhem. He, he's buying stuff with uh, Jack Ryder's credit card. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, hmm, I guess, uh, we've got Metallo being made <laughs> into credit cards. <laughs> I don't know. But then, uh, my other question was, or not really a question, it's, it's actually kind of a gripe. Joker, when, uh, Creeper first confronts the Joker, uh, Joker takes a test tube of, ni- of nitro out of his jacket, and it clearly doesn't have a cork or a stop or anything on it, and he tilts it backwards, upside down, but none of it spills out. Oh, really? I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, although, in, in hindsight, maybe that's why that whole thing blew up. Although, I don't know. I, it seemed to me like he was going to just throw it at him and yeah. hope for the best. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe it spilled behind him and blew everything to hell. <laughs> and so I, I loved the interaction between Creeper and uh, Harley. Yes. It's like... You know, she likes a particular type of lunatic, and that's it. You know, and the Joker even says it to her. What does he say? Uh, you're a one lunatic man or something like that? Or one, one man, one woman, man sorry. Woman. You're a one yeah. man. <laughs> right. It's like, you know, the creeper isn't all that different from the Joker. He's just a little more forward, you know? Yeah. Why not Why not go with this guy? He's the new thing. Go with him, Har. <laughs> he won't beat you up. He'll treat you nice. <laughs> yeah, he'll buy you shit with Jack Ryder's credit with... His melted credit cards. <laughs> exactly. He'll taste that pie. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> He'll taste it repeatedly. <laughs> but um, actually, I, I do have another question. I can't. I look at my last note here is, uh, you know, Batman has this, like, nicoderm patch for schizophrenic nutcases, yeah. apparently. And uh, if he can cure Ryder, how come he can't cure the Joker? Um, because, um... It's only curing the Joker toxin. Um, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, no. Not gonna buy it. <laughs> Since um, he turns back into his regular human non-yellow skin form. Um, think, Mike, think. Oh, that's a good point. 
That's a really good point. I mean, I'm gonna stick with he's curing the Joker toxin. I think I don't know. However, the chemicals combined in his body made him uh, slightly more uh, curable than the Jokers. Yeah, what was that email we had a long time ago? We were talking about how I can't cure HIV, but I can cure AIDS or something like that. Remember he's that like, line? Yeah, he's like, I can't cure... It was the werewolf, or the... Yeah. The wolf. Oh. <laughs> right, so maybe yeah. it's along those lines. He can't cure the Joker because he's only halfway there, but he can cure Ryder because he's all the way there? He's got... I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm stretching. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Now, Harvey, if you ever knew what I really cleared... Is there no honor among thieves, Mr. Cobblepot? And you're worse than a thief. Trafficking in stolen goods. I don't know who you are, sir, but I assure you, my transactions were all legitimate. You see, I had no actual knowledge that the items were stolen. Given that, I don't see how the law can touch me. I am the law. And I find you guilty. And the final episode of Gotham Knights is entitled Judgment Day. Yeah, it's it's sad in more than one way. <laughs> uh, anyway, what happens in this episode is uh, we open up with uh, the backstage area of the Iceberg Lounge where Penguin is meeting with Killer Croc. Uh, Croc has this ridiculously big diamond that he wants to sell to Penguin, but Penguin just lowballs him like nobody's business, uh, to offering like only $50,000. But clearly that thing has got to be worth millions of dollars. And... Uh, He's doing this even as Two-Face enters and gets a, just a ton more money for whatever he was supposedly giving the Penguin. Uh, and he does this right in front of Croc, which just pisses him off really badly. But, uh, you know, they both get their money and they, they leave. And moments later, uh, there's this tall, shadowy figure dressed as a judge. And he appears in front of Penguin and starts charging him with uh, criminal misconduct and all this other stuff and uh, just reading off. Stuff like a cop would if you were being handcuffed, you know, or if you were being if you were in arraignment in a court. And uh, Penguin Penguin says, "Look, uh, I had no knowledge that they were stolen goods, so how could the law possibly touch me?" So the judge character takes it upon himself to try to behead Penguin with this gigantic broadsword, and he eventually kills the Penguin by crushing him to death. So anyway, um, later uh, Bruce and Alfred are driving along and. They see a news report about the penguin's uh, <clears throat> cough uh, murder, um, <laughs> and uh, this judge guy. And Bruce is none too happy that there's another vigilante in Gotham out trying to murder people and is succeeding in it. Um, and uh, meanwhile, we have this uh, city councilman named Corcoran, I believe is his name, and uh, he's endorsing the judge's activities. And really, he's just hoping to parlay it into favor with the voters. And the judge uh, eventually violently attacks Killer Croc on the on Gotham Bridge as he steals an armored car and Batman saves him and then he later on he attacks the Riddler and kills him and uh um we find out that uh this Corcoran councilman guy is giving the judge uh secret classified police uh police information on all these uh super criminals and the judge doesn't really understand why he's doing it, but, you know, we 
we're gonna we'll find out eventually that he's just uh, that he's uh, corrupt, of course. But uh, after this, after the Riddler attack, the judge sets his sights on Two Face. But instead of confronting him in person, he appears on the TV. And Batman, who arrived at Two Face's uh, hideout moments earlier to try and protect him from the judge, is caught in the hideout along with Two Face as this as a, a ton of noxious gas pours into the room. And uh, Batman says, look, you've got to have a secret way out. I know you. So Two-Face opens up a hole in the floor, but it's been barred shut, which alarms Two-Face because allegedly nobody knew about this secret way out. Uh, no, nobody but him knew, uh, knew about it. So Batman just blows up the wall where the gas is pouring out, and that knocks him down, and Two-Face gets to kick him in the face, and he gets <laughs> away. And uh, Two-Face then sets out and kidnaps Corcoran because he figures he must be the one feeding information to the judge. Well, uh, Two-Face demands to know where the judge is, but Corcoran legitimately doesn't know because the judge always comes to him or contacts him via phone. So Two-Face you know, just tells his goons to get rid of him, and in desperation, Corcoran uh, tries his trump card. He offers uh, Two-Face $100,000 of kickback money, but Two-Face says, look, you know, if you'd told me a few minutes earlier, we could have flipped on it, but no. So at the Hall of Justice, uh, uh, the, the goons prepare to shoot Corcoran, but the judge intervenes and then basically murders them, all but murders them, I should say. But And uh, after getting rid of the goons, the judge turns to Corcoran, you know, whom he now knows is corrupt, and he, starts, he tries to slice him to pieces. And Batman enters the fray and starts fighting the judge, and eventually he defeats him, and uh, he reveals... Batman reveals to Corcoran that the judge was actually two-faced. Bum, bum, and, bum. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he leaves He leaves him sitting there with the uh, judge's hairpiece thing and basically leave him for the media to just crucify him and to be arrested. So they explain later at Wayne Manor, Alf, uh, Alfred Bruce are sitting there, and they, say, they tell us that, you know, the judge – was a third persona created by Two Face, and he didn't even know he existed. Neither of the two, of the three personas knew that uh, that the judge existed in inside you know, inside Harvey Dent's body. So the last scene we see Harvey in his cell at Arkham, hearing the voice of the judge in his head as he pleads guilty over and over and over again. So yeah, that's how Gotham Knights ends. Uh, I'm underwhelmed. How about you? <laughs> I didn't hate this episode, um, but at the same time, I do think it was a weak one to end Gotham Knights on. Um, I think they made the smart choice when they decided and what, you know, when they were sitting down and saying, okay, what order are we going to air these in? I think ending on Mad Love was a really good idea. And not this one. But again, this was the last one they produced. And it's like, really? This is how you wanted to end your show? With this episode, with Two-Face killing Penguin, a bunch of goons, and going even crazier than he was before. Okay, I guess. Um, but like I said, I didn't hate this one. Um I like what they were trying to do by introducing this new persona in Two-Face that was an anti-hero. You know, he was trying to atone for Two-Face's sins by going out there and taking down all these other villains, and even himself, um, unknowingly, we should say. Um, so I like that, but I don't know. It could have been done better. 
a lot better, I think. Yeah. There, I mean, there's just tons of plot holes in this episode. Um, first off, how did the when when the judge attacks Killer Croc, how did he get up to the top of that suspension bridge? Because that's just Two Face. That's not some. Yeah. It's not like some guy who can teleport, you know? Right. And you can understand Killer Croc getting up there quickly. They show him. He climbs up there. He's he's strong as hell. He could easily get up there quickly. Not Two Face. No. You know, and and in that same scene, you're telling me that a giant wooden mallet that was basically that was really it was just a trophy broke the windshield of an armored car. Are you serious? But I will say my my one big uh, positive note about this episode is the music. I think this might have the best music of any Gotham Knights episode. Hmm. And uh, I I'm sure there's episodes I'm forgetting, but listening to the the uh, just the score. Throughout, because from the the very first score or song or you know tune whatever that uh, is played, I was hooked on the music. I was like, "Wow, this is really really good," and I was paying attention to that at times more than the episode. Hmm. But it was it was it was really 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 good music. So yeah, but uh, I really don't think I have many more positive notes. Unfortunately, it's just. It's like I think I agree with you in that it's not. I don't hate the episode. It's just extremely underwhelming. Yeah. Um, because another thing I like, I guess this here's one more slightly positive note: the uh, the the disguise that Bruce is wearing in that uh, bar. That's mm-hmm. a disguise. Now the lame shit he was wearing in Never Fear, not so much. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It, it's a disguise, sure, but the one-eyed. Amish thug? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it's better than Never Fear. That's all I could think about because I'm just I'm sitting there. I'm like, hmm. So we've got this, and uh, as opposed to the penciled-in mustache. So hey, at least he's trying. At least he's trying more here. <laughs> I'm looking at this thing, and I'm like, I'm like anybody who walks past this guy is going to look at him and go, "That's a disguise. This is a cop," you know, and just shoot him <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> One-eyed Amish thug, really? Come on. <laughs> Anyways, um, earlier you were wondering how Two Face or the Judge or whatever he was made it all the way up to the top of the bridge, and you're spot on with that. What I also have to wonder is how he was able to. Okay, let's go back to the penguins. The scene with the penguin where he gives the money to both Two-Face and Croc and the girls escort the gentleman out, right? Mm-hmm. Almost the second after the girls leave the room, the judge appears. Yeah. Then Penguin starts running and he the girls that just escorted the guys out are tied up. So in that, I don't know, at most five-second span, how did Two-Face you know, get away from Croc... Because Crack would have seen him change, obviously. Get away from him, nab the girls, tie them up, hang them up, change into his costume, and return to confront the penguin. Now, I'm not saying there should have been, like, five minutes in between the point that the guys got the money and the point that the penguin was attacked, but five seconds is a bit much. There should have been a little something, just a little filler. The penguin talking to someone. I... <sighs> <laughs> Because I understand why they're doing it. They're trying to draw suspicion away from anybody else. Um, they're trying to make it seem like Two-Face isn't this guy. But it just happens too quick. 
way too quick. It's a it's a it's a big plot hole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to the bridge thing, though, we never see it, and I think you're spot on with what you said. But you could maybe suggest that he had a Batman-like grappling hook. Because remember, later on in the episode, he has those high-tech magnet handcuffs. Yeah. So he's making stuff, or he's having someone make him stuff. So maybe he had some sort of gear that got him up there. I don't know, but it should have been shown if he if he had anything like that. And because it wasn't shown, I think we have to assume he doesn't have anything, and he just got up there by his own strength and speed. And as you said, it doesn't quite work, does it? Oh, not with Two-Face. <laughs> no. And something else I wasn't too keen on with this one. Did you happen to notice what Two-Face did with his coin? Um, when? When he was deciding what was going to happen to the, uh, the, the, what was that, the congressman or whatever he was. Corcoran? Yeah. Did no. you see what he did with the coin? What happened? He flipped it. It landed good heads up in his palm. And he chose to then flip it over onto his, onto his other hand, bad heads up. It landed in his hand the good way, and he made the decision to put it the bad way, to kill the guy. Hmm. Yeah, that kind of kind of goes against everything that the Two-Face character is, huh? Right. Now, had he just caught the coin and flipped it over and we didn't see how it landed, I would take no issue with it. Because a lot of people do that. They, they catch, you know, when they're playing heads or tails, they, they catch it in their hand and they flip it, but without seeing it. That's how they do it. Yeah, exactly. But for him to actually, for us to see what it was and then to see him turn it really bothered me. It really did. Um, Because the only way I would have accepted that is if they had said that Two-Face was moving away from the uh, two gimmick thing. But then why does he need the coin? He should just be able to make that decision anyway. So it still would have bothered me now that I actually think about it. So it bothers me anyway. Here's a question I have. Since uh-huh. when, since when uh, is accepting bribes and kickbacks a crime worthy of the death penalty? <laughs> because the judge, the judge starts to try and kill the guy, but all he, you know, I mean, he's a slime ball. We we can clearly see that, but yeah, yeah, all he's done is take money. Okay, mm-hmm. he didn't mm-hmm. he didn't kill anybody. He didn't he didn't rape anybody. Uh, you know, uh, where he didn't commit high treason against the country. Where's the death penalty come in here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Did you happen to notice that um, I think two, but possibly all three of the Joker's Three Stooges goons were with the Riddler? Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you noticed that. I, yeah, the exact I same character them. models. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, okay, well, they, you know, the Joker's still in Arkham, so they need to find work, so they went to the Riddler. You know, <laughs> I thought that I was mean, cool. I he's mean, the, he's the logical next step, right? I mean, yeah. shit. <laughs> I mean, Joe oh. says his, some of his plans are too Riddler. So, I mean, you know. <laughs> exactly. So the guys are like, oh, let's go over here. You know, he, he pays well. Um, I have a question for you. Was that a new voice for Killer Croc? Because it sounded a whole hell of a lot like uh, Conroy to me. Yeah, it Especially was... when he was falling and he was doing his, you know, kind of yelling. It, it sounded like Batman. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a different voice. I know it wasn't uh, Conroy. But, yeah, and that's the thing. It, I, I couldn't stand it. it he, Croc... It sounded like just this normal average Joe. It wasn't like he didn't have any kind of raspiness to his voice that he used to have or anything. Yeah. It, it really it took me out of every scene he was in. Because I'm sorry, but Killer Croc has to have something something wrong with his voice. He's reptilian. Okay, and I only have really one more thing to say about this episode. And 
you know, it's part of the Bat mythos. Uh, you know, as slimy as this guy is, this Corcoran guy is, he does bring up, you know, the age-old good point about the revolving door at Arkham. You know, I, mm. I, I hate it. I hate the character that he was. It was, it was a, a he was a piece of shit, really, and uh, I couldn't stand any scene he was in. But, you know, of course, he brings up the good point about Arkham being completely ineffectual to everything. Yeah, I, I liked that. I did like that. Well, again, this isn't the first time it's been brought up. Right. Either. Um, because the last time we had a character like this, he brought it up too. What was his name? Lockup? Yeah. Yeah, right. he brought up pretty much the same thing, that there needs to be someone who's going to be a lot harder on these criminals than Batman, than the police, than the, the legal system, than everybody. They need, these guys need to have their asses kicked. And he was willing to do it. And so was this guy. So it's kind of a retread of a character we saw before, but it's done in a slightly different way. But now that I'm saying it, it's not all that different, really, because he too had high tech gimmickry. Remember, Lockup also had some gimmicks. Yep. And now, oh man, now that I really think about that, that pisses me off. Yeah, That's really going to bring my though? score down on this one. Yeah, doesn't it suck? Wow. And, you know, and Lockup was right there near the end of the series, too. Uh, the end of the of Batman, the animated series, too. So it's like, it's almost as if they said, mm, all right, we we got to do something. we got to get another character in here. Uh, let's just do Lockup again. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, because Lockup was in the last batch we did. Uh, Batgirl Returns was the last, but it was a uh, Harley's Holiday lockup, make them laugh, deep freeze, and Batgirl Returns. Yep. But you're right. Yeah, they... Oh, man. I was going to give this one... Uh, oh, we'll get into it when we get to our grades later on. I won't reveal it right now. But I was going to give this one an okay grade here, but that just brought it down. That pisses me off. You were born on a dying world called Krypton. To save your tender young life, your parents launched you into space. Kind fate brought you here to Apocalypse. Where benevolent, wise Darkseid found you. He adopted you and raised you as his own. He nurtured your powers and taught you of his great mission to bring order to a lawless universe. And now he wants you to have your own world to tame and rule Earth. And the final episode that we are going to talk about today is the very last episode of Superman the Animated Series. And that is the two-part legacy. In this one, um, we start out um, watching uh, the, the army of Darkseid the hordes of Apocalypse, we'll say, uh, laying waste to an alien world. And they are led by a masked soldier who is just decimating everything in his path. Nothing can stop this guy. And uh, as the ruler of this world uh, bows down before him, he takes off his helmet, and it's Superman that we see. So it's sort of like a, hmm, what, what's going on here moment? We cut back to Metropolis, and uh, oddly enough, we see Superman soaring through the sky. And on the street, standing next to Lois, is Clark Kent. So now we're even more confused. 
Um, it turns out that Superman has been missing for a full month, and Supergirl is in the Fortress of Solitude controlling multiple Superman robots. Some are out there as Superman, some are out there as Clark Kent, um, just keeping up the act that Superman is not missing. But it's it's dire. She can't keep this up for too much longer. She's screwing up, um, and people are starting to notice. In the meantime, Darkseid tells uh, his adopted son, we'll say, as he calls him, that um, it's time that he had a world of his own. And he is going to let him take control of a world called Earth. And Darkseid reveals that his plan is not actually to let Superman take control of Earth, but what he wants him to do is he wants Superman to go to Earth to destroy it, basically, just wipe out uh, all the defenses. Um, but he's hoping that before Superman can totally take out um, all the armies and that, that he is captured and possibly killed. And then Darkseid will be able to go to Earth and uh, claim it as his own and attempt to rebuild it because he thinks that High Father uh, won't object to that because Darkseid, remember he said, hey, I'll stay away from Earth. I'll have nothing to do with it. That's fine. That's fine. But he's he's really hoping that High Father will be like, okay, if you know, we're not going to fix it up. You go ahead and fix it up. So it's kind of a weird little scheme he has. Um, some might call it stupid. I'd be one of them. Um, oh, ooh, sorry. I, I didn't mean to say that. Anyway. <laughs> um, Superman, uh, he keeps having these dreams uh, about these people that he he doesn't think he's ever met, but we know he's met them before. Uh, it's it's images of Ma and Pa, uh, Lois and Jimmy and all of his friends, and he can't make heads or tails of these dreams. So Granny Goodness gets into his head and uh, tells him, you know, his his origin, his life story. And so we get to see how Darkseid and Granny Goodness have brainwashed Kale into believing that he is the adopted son of Darkseid. And uh, so with uh, his uh, faith restored in himself, he heads to Earth to uh, do what he's been told to do, to lay waste to it. And um, the, the world freaks out because they're like, what the fuck is Superman doing? Why? Is he destroying us? We thought he was on our sides. Um, so Luthor and uh, General, what was his name? Harding? Hardcastle. Castle. Hardcastle, yeah. sorry. Yeah, who, you know, comes back here. Um, they team up and they say, okay, well, we got to take this alien down. So they create a kryptonite warhead. And they fire it at Superman and they take out uh, Supergirl, who was trying to stop Superman. Uh, Superman himself and uh, Lois is caught in the blast, but she's actually okay because she was there trying to uh, ask Superman, what the fuck, yo? So uh, <laughs> she kind of got into his head and made him realize that something, someone's been messing with him. He doesn't, he, at this point, he still doesn't know what's going on, but someone's been messing with him. And by saving her, he remembers everything. Uh, that's how the first part ends. When you get to the second part, Superman has been taken captive by the army. Supergirl, of course, has, is being uh, held too. Because even though she was trying to save uh, the planet, she was trying to stop Superman, she still is a Superman follower. So they don't know if she can be trusted. Um, Lois breaks into the army base to try to get Superman out. Um, in the meantime, uh, Hardcastle and Luthor decide that the only way to deal with Superman and Supergirl is to execute them with a kryptonite uh, serum. 
Uh, before they can do that, Lois bursts in, uh, is able to free Superman, uh, and then they grab Supergirl, and they have to uh, get past the army and escape. And once they do that, uh, they bring Supergirl to, oh shoot, uh, Star Labs, was it? Yeah. Okay, I wanted to say Cadmus. I'm like, no, we haven't seen Cadmus yet. Um, <laughs> they they bring her to Star Labs, and they tell Superman, look, oh, because the reason they have to bring her there um, isn't because of the blast from earlier, but it's because when they were escaping, she got shot right in the chest with a laser beam, and she was weakened, very weakened, one from the blast, but two uh, by the fact that she was uh, being held captive underneath a red light. Sorry, I didn't mention that before. Well, um, uh, what's his name? Professor Hamilton at Star Labs is like, look, Superman... We can help her, but the fact of the matter is, if we do, because of what you've been doing, it'll be an act of treason. We'll be executed. We can't do this. Superman is pissed off, and he just grabs Hamilton, lifts him up, and he just yells at him. Hamilton freaks out, and he's like, okay, okay, we'll help her. Just just don't rip my head off. So Superman then uh, realizes that uh, the world doesn't love him anymore, that because of Darkseid, he is now feared. Um, so Superman's pissed off. He grabs the little device that, or the mother box that opens up the boom tube and he heads to Apocalypse to kick the shit out of Darkseid. And everybody. Yeah, and and you're right, everybody, because you're right, he takes on Granny Goodness first, then he goes up against the Furies, and then he kicks the shit out of Darkseid. Um, so that sums this one up. Thoughts? Wow. Um... You know, it's I love I, I love this this two part. I do. Uh, it's hard to pick where I want to start with it, though. But um, I think I mean the the creators and the commentary said that the whole point of this episode was to show that you know people ask all the time, well, why doesn't Superman just go around the world and you know just kick people like kick the asses of people like Saddam Hussein or mm-hmm. you know despots and dictators? And the reason is well because that's you're playing dark side's game there and you're going to kill all kinds of innocent people if you do that and right. you can't just you can't just go on to apocalypse and do what he did because you know they show that the people who live there they love dark side they they would rather be with the devil they know than be free right so and that's that's what that I, that's what they said was the point of this episode and i thought they got that across pretty well yeah um, but there's one, there's one thing I do have to ask right from the the first episode here, and it's it's pretty big. If this they have this thing, Hardcastle has this project going called Project Achilles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, they say that it's secretly monitored monitored all of Superman's activities. Okay, shouldn't they know who he <laughs> really is then? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that's kind of that's kind of a problem there. That, yeah, kind of a a little plot hole there, I think. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I'm so glad that we had an episode where Luthor is. When was the last time we had a good episode with Luthor in it? <laughs> because he kicks all kinds of ass in this first episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he knows he knows right off the bat. Superman has been brainwashed. Something's not right with him, but. He's going to use it to take him down and, uh, you know, use it to his advantage. He's always 20 steps ahead of everybody. And uh, yeah. I'm glad we got back to that because we haven't 
we haven't seen that from Luthor in a long time in this show. Now, see, despite the, the Luthor stuff, which I really did enjoy, I was underwhelmed by this episode. Or these episodes, I should say. I kind of got um, that from your your uh, <laughs> uh, uh, summarizing there. Yeah, I mean, it starts with Darkseid's plan. I'm thinking to myself, that's really your plan? You're going to have Superman go beat up on Earth so that the armies unite against him, kill him, so that you can then go in and rebuild Earth. And you're going to let Superman do that with your armies, and you're somehow going to claim to Highfather that you had nothing to do with it. That Superman just went rogue, took your soldiers, and destroyed his adopted planet. That is going to fly? That, I'm like, this is a stupid plot. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, okay, fine, kidnap, kidnap Superman, like you did, and just put a, you know, brainwash him so he doesn't remember who he is, and put a piece of kryptonite around his neck. And just throw into a... Uh, okay, I know that's not Darkseid's thing. You know, he wants to humiliate Superman. That's what it's all about. But like I said, just turn him into a slave for a while. Beat him down. You know, if you've got kryptonite or some other way to do that, just keep him weak. Don't let him have his strength. That, that, uh. yeah. I'm sorry. I, this episode pissed me off so much that I'm at a loss for words getting my thoughts out. Oh, Mm. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. It's just a terrible scheme. There's so yeah. many better schemes that uh, the writers could have came up with. Um, I like the idea of Superman being used against Earth. I like it a lot. Don't get me wrong. But I just didn't like Darkseid's a whole they'll unite against him and then I'll get to rebuild the world type thing. What? No. No, no, no. no. Yeah. It would have been better if he had just said all right, well, I'm going to send you to Earth. You're going to decimate the army so I can come in there and just, you know, it's going to be mine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really, I wasn't really thinking about that, truthfully. Yeah, no, and that's fine. I mean, I can understand why this episode is a favorite of a lot of people's. I mean, we finally get the big Superman dark side showdown. We get to see what Superman would be like if he just let loose and went rogue. That's cool. It's just getting there that really bothered me. Yeah. Um, and what also bothered me was this is where they left Superman. This is the last episode. And uh, it doesn't feel right to leave Superman in such a dark place. To have the entire world, well, except Lois, doubting him. Um I know they weren't doing story arcs, like Justice League-like story arcs, because the whole thing with Darkseid was a story arc. But you know what I'm saying, like an episode-to-episode thing. Mm -hmm. But I would have preferred it if they could have maybe started the season with this episode, and then the rest of the season was Superman getting the world's faith back. Yeah, well, so Leading I up to the big confrontation with Darkseid in the final episode. That's, I would have enjoyed that so much more then, hey, we're going to leave Superman in a bad place, and no one trusts him anymore. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I, I believe that the comment, uh, the, on the commentary, they said that they never planned on this being the final episode, but they had oh, to work okay. on more Batman episodes, and mm -hmm. they hadn't, they really, they had to just leave it at this. Uh, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost 100% sure that they said, they mentioned that on the commentary. You know, speaking of the Superman Dark Side fight, I mean, that might, might be 
the greatest one-on-one fight in the DCAU. Uh, now, I haven't seen much Batman Beyond in a long time. I can't, I'm trying to remember some one-on-ones in Justice League. That's really hard for me to do because there's so many of those. But that was one hell of a fucking fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, every, yeah. I, I'll admit, every time I watch it, my, my heart races a little bit because it's so badass. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what do you think? No, I, I do think that fight is ultra cool. Just Superman coming in, knocking the shit out of Calabac, um, and then just going toe-to-toe with Darkseid. But it has to be said again, Superman, okay, he might have beat Darkseid here, but think about how he did it. He forced Darkseid to beat himself by by putting his hands up against the Omega Beams, right? Yeah. So once again, Superman did not beat up Darkseid with his own strength. And we're going to see this again at the end of the DCAU. I know people are going to write in and say Superman won, so that's all that matters, and that's true. But Darkseid's still stronger, i got to say it. Oh, oh, I absolutely agree he's stronger than Superman mm-hmm. is, but it leads to some damn great animation, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it looks great in that final shot where Superman's got Darkseid's broken body over his, he, holding it over himself, and he throws it down at, at the, the, the slaves. Alicia. Yeah, it's like that was cool. Just the look on Superman's face as he chucks it down there. Yeah. Um, and then what the, what the slaves do is like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Okay, well, I've seen this episode before, so I knew it was coming, but you still see what I'm saying. Yeah. If you're viewing it for the first time, you're like, wow, wow. And Darkseid puts the exclamation point on it. What does he say? He says, um, I am many things, Kalel, but here I am God. And it's like, oh, man, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Even when Superman does his best, he can't win. Yeah, yeah. And again, that goes back to Destroyer. Superman finally can let loose, and he probably tr- was trying to kill Darkseid, and he still couldn't win. Luthor beat Darkseid. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's a kick in the balls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or three or four. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, but speaking of Luthor, I mean, I mean, hey, Superman finally gets to punch Luthor in the face. Yeah, that was neat, too. I mean, then, he finally, it, 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 he never can. He never can because he would just, he would murder, murder the hell out of Luthor. But now, finally, he's normal. He's on his level. Bam. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. right in the jaw. Well, I think it's funny, though, is that Superman still had a little extra strength in him because at the end, we can see Luthor's jaws all wired shut. Yeah. <laughs> so there was still a little bit of Superman in there. Man to have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, we finally get to see Superman punching Luthor in the face, but we also finally get to see Lois saving Superman rather than the other way around. So that was yeah. nice. Um, and uh, I love the way that she was able to get in there, too, because they call back to her father. I think he was he's a colonel in the Pentagon or something. Something, fact. yeah. But I, and I like that they called back to that. Yeah. Um, oh. Now, we're mostly talking about the second part. Let's. What are, what are your thoughts about the first part of this one? Uh, it was... <laughs> Really, I only have a few notes, and it was from really talking about Luthor and how I'm I'm glad that we've got him back to being the bastard that we know and love and hate, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and then the Project Achilles thing. But there's the the first episode is most of it is just action scenes. I mean, we've got you get Supergirl controlling those robots and not controlling those robots at the same time, 
And uh, I liked her confrontation with Luthor. That, that mm-hmm. I, I forgot that that was the first time that those two had met. Yeah. Um, I could I had completely forgotten that, and uh, it was it was kind of cutesy there seeing Supergirl. Oh, I I don't know. I don't, no no no. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, Luth and Luthor, of course, being like, sure you don't. <laughs> yeah, I like that, but I don't see that's the thing. Most of my notes are on the second episode. See, and I think that's why I have problems with this episode as a whole is because that first part, it didn't do it for me. I felt that the whole Superman robot bouncing through the city and Supergirl chasing him thing was a whole lot of filler. Yes, it led to the scene with Luthor, which led to Luthor then going to Hardcastle. So it was needed, but it could have been a lot shorter. It was just, it was painfully long. And I wrote in my notes, just Supergirl versus Superman robot equals filler. Yeah. Think, oh, that, that was bugging me. Um, like, I, I think the opening was really cool. But then we get all this stuff with the robots and then Luthor with Hardcastle. And then then we get Darkseid's lame plan for Superman. And the episode, had it been stronger, I, I can guarantee you my score would be a lot higher. But when the first part is weak, no matter how good that second part is... That first part was still weak. It's just going to leave a score bad taste in your mouth for the second episode. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but again, the first part, it did have its moments. Like I said, it definitely does. There's that line where Superman's like, to Supergirl, he goes, you wear my shield, but stand against me, then die. And boom, hits her with a turret. Yeah. It's like, whoa, dude, chill out. You know? <laughs> that was pretty hardcore. Um, oh, did we mention was. robot alert, by the way? Oh, that's right. Robot Our alert. final robot alert. Yes. Mm. And that makes me wonder, why did Superman have robots to begin with? I know that's part of the Superman myth, you know, that there are these Superman robots and they're in the fortress and whatnot. But I didn't understand. This is the first time they've appeared Yeah, in the cartoon, I believe. And it's like, wait, where did they come from all of a sudden? Did Kara build them? Or did Superman just have them in a closet somewhere collecting dust for the day when he disappeared? You know? <laughs> Please tell me where the robots came from. Oh, they must have come from that parallel dimension because they appear in the Justice Lords episode and they beat up they start beating up the Justice League in the Arkham Asylum. <laughs> <laughs> so they just barred it from the future about six years down the road. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Um while you know, I was mentioning some things I liked there a second ago. Um, getting back to the second episode, I love that line when Superman says to Darkseid, this is for Dan Turpin, he slugs him, and Darkseid's just like, who? <laughs> and, and Darkseid's follow-up line, you say it, please. Had I known one human's death would pain you so, I would have killed more. And kill more yes. shall. Take that agony with you to oblivion, Superman. That's one yeah, of my that's... favorite lines in the entire DCAU. Yeah, no, that that's definitely a great line. Um, and I like them separate. The whole, this is for Dan Turpin, who? And then Darkseid's other response. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're great together, but they also work separately. You know, oh. Yeah, because yeah, Superman's like, he's the good man you murdered. And yeah. Darkseid's like, what, what, one person? <laughs> that's what you yeah. said about? Yeah. Yeah. God, Darkseid oh. is, man. <laughs> That's why I love Darkseid so much. He's like I think he might be my favorite villain in all of comicdom. Ha, ah, yeah. But um you know, and you know, just encompassing Apocalypse here, the I loved Darwin Cook's uh animation here. It was mm-hmm. it was great, especially when 
Superman comes out of the boom tube into Apocalypse and starts murdering people right and left, or uh, parademons, but whatever. But it was, ooh, wow. That first shot where he's got the glowing red eyes in shadow. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I had that as a poster. Yeah. That that was one that was a great great scene. Yeah, those are stunning visuals there. I kept thinking to myself, New Frontier, New Frontier. <laughs> the same animation, Starwin Cook. Woo. Yeah. Uh, Cuz the whole thing is is that it, it's hard to make Superman a dark character, uh, even visually. You know, I mean, he's got these bright colors on. Mm-hmm. So when people try, a lot of the times they fail. But here it works, and it works so damn well. Just everything lighting up with the red. And I love when uh, uh, they're all watching from Darkseid's uh, fortress, and you see, it looks like thunder. Or excuse me, it looks like lightning, I should say. But it's all red, because it's just Superman just blowing up the parademons. Yeah. Because all the clouds are just illuminated like that. Oh, that's brutal. Brutal. Yep. And then when, and then right after that, when he goes in, right up to Granny Granny goodness, and he's like, "You're first on my list." <laughs> that was hardcore, and I'm sorry, but that—that's one point where I'm like, you know what, Superman, go nuts. Yeah, <laughs> just just have at it. <laughs> oh, while we're talking about Granny, uh, one of the things I, another thing I liked from the first part was when she's showing Superman his uh, his history and how he was found on Apocalypse. I loved it. When we see Granny running up to the rocket, just like we do Ma in the opening credits, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. They just replaced Granny for Ma. Yep. And then Darkseid's got this goofy grin on his face, <laughs> holding the baby Kal El. It's so ridiculous that it that it works. You know, it's like because that's Granny uh, goodness. That's just that's her, and right there in, right. in a nutshell. Right. Yeah. I mean, that could have fallen so flat, but. I don't know, something about her with her grin and Darkseid with his grin. It's hilarious. Oh, Jesus, that is gold. Now, getting to the ending of this episode, I really would have liked it if right here... Okay, like I said, I was unhappy with the fact that they left Superman in this dark place. Because that's not what the character should be. At least that's not how he should be left, ultimately. Right. Okay? Um... And I like the fact that they tried to give him a little hope by having uh, Superman and Lois really kiss for that first time. Yes. That was nice. But what Lois says to him is that he has to regain the world's trust one person at a time. And I thought that would have been the perfect place for him to say, Lois, there's something I have to tell you. And you could just end it right there. Because we know it's not going to be I love you. We know it's going to be I'm Clark Kent. Yep. We don't even have to hear the line. Just, Lois, there's something I have to tell you. And end it at that. And I think... I would have I would have boosted it like a point for that. Because yeah, the kiss is nice, but Lois is talking about trust. He still doesn't trust her with that ultimate secret. Which is sad because she knows who Batman is. Right. And right. You know, she's been able to keep that a secret. Right. Yeah. Normally I I don't try to change my score based on what they should have done, but this is one of those times where I, I feel I have to. Because the whole thing is about trust. And what's the one thing Superman could trust anybody with? The fact that he is Clark Kent. And because they didn't put it in there, I think it really hurt it. Because then we know beyond this, Superman has more adventures. And he and Lois, but not really he, Clark and Lois, are then going to become a couple after that. And we know there's this whole new day that's going to dawn for him. And 
okay, the world doesn't love him anymore, but he's with Lois, and that's okay. And with her by his side, he can re- start to rebuild uh, uh, the world's trust. Speaking of Batman, you know, I can't, I just can't believe that he wouldn't get involved in this somehow. Honestly, yeah. I can't. It's it's just almost inexcusable because mm-hmm. Batman's supposed to be the guy who's like, you know what, I'm keeping tabs on you. And, uh, yeah, he apparently wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, you know, and I'm not going to count a point off of it or anything like that, but it's right. it just has to be said. Right. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole time. Because remember, we brought this up during uh, the uh, the last time Darkseid tried to take over Earth. Yep. Where Where was everybody else? But right here... It's it's so true. You know, why is the Flash running to Metropolis to stop Superman? Where's Green Lantern? Where, where, yeah, where's Green Lantern? Where's uh, Dr. Fate? Where's Steve? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's, he's in the city. What's he doing? You know, where's Batman? Like, Supergirl's the only one? Like, uh, I, I really wasn't keen on that. And speaking of, of Supergirl, apparently getting shot in the chest gives her a broken arm. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot to write that in my notes. <laughs> and she gets shot right in the breast, but she's got a cast on later. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that works, but okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Oh, no, I'm not even going to get into it. <laughs> I had a thought, but I'm not even going to say it. I'll just go into my uh, one, one more animation note here about Lex's pupils going completely into the back of his skull when he gets tasered. <laughs> Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, it was brutal, but it was great. It was great. And then he twitches on the ground. Oh. <laughs> it was fantastic. Very cool. And uh, oh. and then one more great animation moment was the beginning of the second – I think it was the beginning of the second episode where uh, Clark is uh, having that nightmare and the spiral of flames with dark side behind it. Ooh, that was – man, that was an awesome shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just had I had to mention that because it stands out among all the other great animation here. Yeah, yeah, no, they they went all out with the animation uh, in this two parter. I really do feel like I said it's. I'm just torn on this one. If the first part would have been a lot stronger, didn't have a ton of filler in it, I'd I'd be giving this one a really solid score. But it let me down. It definitely did. Um, that said, do you want to get to our scores? Yeah, let's go. Let's uh, do the scores here for our. Our finale of Gotham Knights and Superman. Okay, so starting with chemistry. Um, I will say that originally I had this as a four because I was just so aggravated by how they what they did to Bruce Wayne there, but we were talking about it a lot, and I'm I'm gonna bump it up a point and a half to five point five. Five point five. That's the first half score you've given in a while. It is, I know. But I don't think it deserves a six. I just, I just don't, you know. <laughs> uh, for chemistry, I will give that one a seven. Uh, for beware the creeper, what do you give this one? I'm gonna give that one an eight, just for the boatloads of hilarity. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna give that one a seven. Uh, what do you give Judgment Day? Uh, I'll give it a five. I think I might be a little generous on that one, truthfully. Uh, I had originally given it a six. I bumped it down to a five, and after you pretty much made me realize that it was just a retread of lockup. I bumped it down to a four. Hmm. So then lastly, legacy. Uh, I just, I love this episode a lot. I'm going to give it an eight. I will give it a six. I can't believe it. The buzz on the street is someone stealing my routine. Is there no honor among thieves? Mo! Lair? Co! 
them the night off, Puddin. Happy anniversary, Mr. J. You're really swell and okay. It's seven years to the day. Take the night off. Let's play. Harley. Wanna try some of my pie? Harley. I'm sure you'll want seconds. Harley, I'm not in the party mood. If you really want to make me happy... Find the plagiarist who's been stealing my act! Ugh. Sweet kid, but a lousy cook. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. Next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss Batman, Mystery of the Batwoman. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast.